get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Bring out the ceremony! It's time for Curbside with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi electric elite contractor. T-Bone on BK. You got BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Happy to go out to the 101 ESPN hotline to be joined by the voice of the blues. He's Chris Kerber joining us here on the show as he does each and every Wednesday. Kerbs, we appreciate the time as always, man. Tough one for the blues last night in Tampa Bay. Wanted to start out with the obvious, which was uh, the decision by Bannister to not play Pavel Buchnevich in the final 12 minutes of that game. Uh, what'd you make of that? What'd you think about Bannister's comments afterwards? Uh, it, it's an interesting strategy. Uh, Pavel probably, and, and I would assume he'd probably agree with this, it might have been his worst game as a St. Louis Blue. Um, and, you know, you just, especially even a top player, I mean, and I, and I consider Pavel to be kind of our best 200-foot all-around player just in terms of he can play every single scenario in his offensive ability, too. So he just had a bad night, and he took three penalties. And on top of that, he's your top penalty killer, right? So... Uh, he, he had to make a decision, and, and and Bannister had an interesting, you know, was in an interesting spot here. He wants the game played a certain way, and he flat out was just blunt. He goes, "I can't have our players in the penalty box like that," and it sent the message to the entire team that look, even if you're going to do that to basically, you know, one of your absolute best players, you know that that should ring true to everybody. Now the key is, guys, in my opinion, is it's one thing to handle that that way. It's another thing to say what he said in the media. And I have full faith in this because of his experience as a player and as a coach. How you handle it one-on-one with him afterwards or the next day is really the important thing. Because let's face it, different players, because of their experience, their skill, their status, whatever, have different leashes. That's life. That's sports. And so how, you know, he lets them know, look, yeah, I had to make an example out of you. You're still my guy here. You know, we're, we're counting on you big time. And your response is going to send as much of a message to the rest of the team is me sitting here for the 12 minutes. And, you know, honestly, it's, that is the only form of accountability in terms of a team game that coaches really have. And make no mistake about it. Other players notice it. Other players notice when a guy is making mistakes, especially if it's a younger guy and they just keep getting rolled out there. So but we'll see the response to it, but, uh, you know, it was something that was probably earned and, and unfortunate at the same time. Well, in speaking of response curves, uh, I talked about it on post game. It's the 16th time this season that the Blues have given up two or more goals in a three or less minute span. Uh, what's the response to something like that? Like, why are we seeing that snowball happen this season? You know what? The uh, uh, it's, Craig Ruby and I talked about mental toughness at the beginning of the year, and I think that's part of it. Um, you know, you've. You've got some inexperience on this team. 
And even though you have some, let's say, experienced players, I don't know that you've got experienced players in winning hockey. You know, you've, you've got a lot of guys with experience that haven't played great winning hockey that are kind of splattered throughout your lineup. So and on a consistent basis in my book. And that's, that's a learning curve, even, even for veteran players. Alex, it's, it's a fantastic question because the Tampa Bay Lightning have dealt with that too. And I had a conversation with John Cooper about that yesterday. And they said, we just, we've got to find a way to get back on the horse and stop the tide right then and there. And I really do think it's just, it's a mental attitude and a confidence uh, aspect moving forward. It's, it's who, you know, don't look around, you know, don't look to the guy next to you and say, are you going to do it? You've got to look at yourself and say, I'll be the guy. And there just needs to be more of that. I think top to bottom, but, yeah, clearly things snowballing quickly out of control has been quite an issue for this team all season long. And to put them in holes, it's hard enough to come from behind, period. But coming from behind by two or three on a regular basis, it just, it just, it's too hard. It, it cannot be your DNA to have to do that, and that's not winning hockey. Curbs, I guess what I'm confused by, though, like you, you mentioned how you've got a lot of guys that haven't really played necessarily winning hockey. A lot of these guys were here a couple of seasons ago, and I guess maybe your answer, and you can tell me if this is the case, it was in different roles, but a lot of these guys were here and big pieces of that Blues team that went up against Colorado in the postseason, and I still believe they would have beat Colorado if not for Jordan Bennington getting hurt in net. So why does it seem so difficult for them to be able to just transition the game that we have seen them play in the past once again in 2022 and 2023? Well, you know, honestly, I think, I think a big difference, the bottom six is different. You know, uh, well, one, if, even if you go back a couple of years ago, when you're talking about that Colorado series, you're still talking about a ton of ice time going to, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko and Ivan Barbashev, a David Perron, and a Ryan O'Reilly. Right, so when Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, uh, you know, were in those situations, they weren't going up against the top of the top every single shift, and now they are, and it's different. And I think Robert Thomas is having a really good year, you know. And and frankly, I think Jordan Cairo is having a solid year, just not offensively. But we are seeing some good parts of his game more often now. More often, you hope translates into more consistent, you know, as as time passes on. And that's, that's the patience and the learning curve that you need, but there's a big difference, even for some of those guys that were around and in those moments that are now in spots and, and playing against matchups that truthfully that they haven't played regularly on night in night out. So when I talk about experience against that, I think that might be more what I'm referring to here, BK, because while you have some of the same guys, their scenarios and their quality of ice time and the ice time that they're seeing is really quite different from even just a couple of years ago. Curbs, I thought you and Joe had had a phenomenal breakdown last night on post game, and Joe talked about you know if this continues, if this trend goes the the same direction moving forward, that there 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 will be roster moves for this team. I don't think it was a coincidence that Doug Armstrong and his staff were there last night watching this team on this road trip. Do you foresee roster moves if this team continues to struggle, and what would those be? Well, I, let's go maybe a little bit deeper. First off. I think the future of the franchise in terms of some young guys is the progression of Dean and Bolduc down in Springfield, right? They're playing pretty well. I talked with Doug Armstrong. He's liking the progress that they're having down there. I get the sense that you want to keep those guys down there as long as you can. This isn't a matter of, well, just bring them up and see what they can do. No, if they're, if they're finding success, if they're learning the pro game, if they're learning just, heck, what it's like on how to kill some time, you know, between a practice and a game the next day, 
that's all part of the process. And you can make mistakes in the American Hockey League and grow and get away with them that you cannot make in the NHL where they end up in the back of the net, and it can be crushing from a development standpoint. So let's say we park those two guys in the minors for the season. You're looking at call-ups of a guy like a Walker, a, a Goddett. You know, um, obviously we just saw McGinn go back down. You got McEachern up here, right? So you've got some of those guys. I think roster moves only happen if somebody wants one of our guys and Doug Armstrong feels that he's advancing the development process of this team over the next couple of years because we, we have to remember, and I, I did a long interview with Tom Stillman this morning that we're going to have for the broadcast tomorrow, Alex. And, you know, there's, there's, there's the urgency to win that Tom fully recognizes. That's the business. And then there's also the patience that's needed through this transition process. And, you know, I, I think right now, guys, I think what you want to see is you're not so much frustrated with a 6-1 loss, with it just being a loss. You're frustrated with how that loss happened. Yep. When I talked to some veteran players yesterday, I sensed some real frustration after that game from guys. I mean, you look, you had you had Nick Letty that gets run into by Tanner Janot, okay, which is what you'd expect after Torpchenko. I forgot the player that Torpchenko hit. And when he hit him, the, the forwards on the ice were your fourth line, a fourth line of Torpchenko, McEachern, and McGing all guys that are still trying to prove themselves in the NHL. Now, nobody's saying those guys have to go fight Tanner Janot. And that, that guy's had 50 fights in the last, what, five years, right? But you can create a scrum and you can get in the face. You can have some jam and you can have some attitude, you know? And, and even afterwards, when Asamon, you know, bumps into Saad in between the benches after running into Kapanen and then runs into Kapanen again and Kapanen and had enough of it at that point in time, Right. Uh, you know, everybody went over there. But at one point, the linesman has got a hold of Tyler Tucker wrapped up so tight, he's just taking constant punches from the Tampa Bay player. And, and no one really fought to get in there on that other Tampa Bay player. And so, to me, I, I think there has to be a recognition by the younger players and an acceptance of what are you going to do to stay in the NHL? What are you going to do to make a difference? You know, what are you going to do to have the backs of your teammates you know, and, you know, it can't be Braden Shen throwing a couple hits in the second period, Tanner Janot challenging them, and Braden Shen going, geez, not every time. And, and you know, there's got to be other guys. There were opportunities, you know, for some of those younger guys that are still trying to find an everyday shift in the National Hockey League. And I don't think they're taking full advantage of it, to be honest with you. And to me, it's, it's less about the wins, and it is about how you're playing and coming together as a team. You lose that game. 5-3 with an empty netter, right? But it was a hard-fought battle. You feel totally different than you do after the way that game went last night. So, Curves, this will be the final thing. We've just got about another minute here or so uh, on, on, on with you. But Hugh McGing was sent down today, and I, I thought he played really well last night. I, I thought he did a pretty decent job. It's not going to show up in the score sheet or anything, but I think the coach agreed with my assessment, given the fact that he was rewarded in that third period as Buchnevich was benched by getting some opportunities on the power play, and you don't do that if you, you think that he played poorly. Why do you think it was that he was the guy that was sent down today in that roster move? Yeah, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I'd overread too much into that one, BK, just because there's still the business side of it, of asset protection, of cap management. And with the roster freeze coming where you can't move anybody or do anything for the next three or four days, right? I, I think that, that, that was just the guy that, that, that they chose there. I, I think they want McEachern's size for tomorrow night. You couldn't, you couldn't play a guy tomorrow night and then send him down, right? 
So I think they wanted McEachern's size against the Florida Panthers there, and that's kind of, I think, where it left McGing. So I think Hugh came in, did a really good job in the five games that he did. He played hard. He knows he's a call-up the next time it comes in, but this, uh, to me, was simply just roster management and size management based on your opponent coming up. Interesting. I I just would have kept him up. I, I mean, you've got, you know, in the next 10 days, you've got four four games or so. I um, I, I don't know. Yeah, but, here, what, but here's, here's the thing real quick with that. Like, I hear what you're saying. And, I, and and now, if somebody gets hurt, they can call him back up, right? Sure. But right now, every day that you don't have him on the roster, it is a few dollars that you're saving from a cap standpoint, which is important. And then, uh, and the other thing is, you do still have Sammy Boy, and you're going to have to get Sammy Boy in there, right? And get him and get him going again. So since they knew that they were going to scratch a guy, this this was a, a good roster kind of the business of hockey type move more than anything. It was not a reflection on McGing as it is just a reflection of where the team's at in terms of what they need to do from a roster management standpoint. Fair enough. Hey, Curves, appreciate the time as always, man. Enjoy yourself down there in South Beach. Enjoy the game tomorrow night against the Florida Panthers and Matthew Kachuk in person. I'll talk with you again next week, my man. All right, guys. Have an awesome weekend. Merry Christmas, everybody.